uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, last week we talked about being armed with several things to help us endure suffering. Uh, this morning we are going to uh, talk about encouragements in order to stay the course during suffering. Morning, Tim. I was going to plan a a joke on you. I was like, no, I can't be mean to Tim. I was going to text you and say, hey, man, you've got five minutes to get here. You're preaching. But (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, uh, so this morning, uh, we are going to uh, talk about staying the course through the midst of suffering as we sojourn through this world, uh, living holy lives, right? That's what we're called to do in 1 Peter. That's what he's talking about. So please stand as we read God's Word. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it reads, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, we do come before you. Having now read your word, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts as we examine your word. And help us, Lord. Um, This week, Father, we were talking about on Wednesday prayer of discernment. More specifically, we talked about discerning the word of God as to how it applies to our life so that we're not deceived. So, Father, help us to receive your word this morning. Help us to discern it to our lives, so that we may walk in it, so that we may pick up our mat and walk. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. You know, within the past few weeks, we have been talking about suffering. This is the sub-theme to Peter's overall theme of living holy lives as we sojourn through a world that is sometimes very hostile to us and things that we encounter. And in those weeks, we talked about how we are to endure suffering, encouragements when we face it, and proper conduct while we're in the midst of it. Now, within all of three of these encouragements from Peter, the theme of continuing in the midst of suffering is very present. He never says stop. He never says, you know what, we're done here. It's always an encouragement to move forward. And we are to respond as well. We're not to shut down. We're not to allow it to defeat us. We are to advance forward versus becoming defeated. And we are to battle. We spoke about that last week. We're in a spiritual battle every day of our lives. And we need to wake up every morning with that on our minds. This week, Peter's focus is staying the course. By reminding us that while we suffer, 
We are still called to be good stewards of God's grace for His glory. We still have a job to do, no matter what we're facing. And although we will face suffering in this life, we must not lose focus of what God has called us to do for Him and His church in spite of it. You see, sometimes in the midst of suffering, we lose focus, don't we? Right? It gets the best of us. We tend to place our focus on what is afflicting us. And we become so paralyzed that the affliction that we face tends to draw us inward versus towards the Lord. This week, Peter encourages us to stay the course. So let's examine each one of these verses and unlock those encouragement that Peter gives us. Let's start with verse 7 when he says, The end of all things is at hand. The first encouragement that Peter gives us here in this text is stay in the course, is to live life as if Christ is coming today. You know, in our walk in Christ, we tend to take things for granted, don't we? Right? We tend to take our health for granted until we're sick. Our friends, our family, our opportunities, our jobs, until you don't have them. And sometimes we take our relationship with the Lord for granted, too. Tomorrow will come, right, just because today came. And so maybe we put some things off that we shouldn't because we think we got time. And yet Scripture reminds us in Proverbs 27 and 1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Nobody in here can tell me what tomorrow brings. Sure, you can pay somebody on that 1-800 number out of California, but they're just taking a shot in the dark for $25.99 an hour. Not that I've ever done that. No, I haven't. Therefore, what does Ephesians, what does Paul tell us to do in Ephesians? We are to make the best use of time because the days are evil. Now, popular convention would say that Peter and the fellow apostles and disciples anxiously awaited Christ's return. Right? Do you hear that? Every generation waits for the coming of Christ. And yet what Peter is really referring to here is that each of us have an unknown certain date with death. Our time on this earth is short. In comparison to eternity, it can't even be measured. So no one of us can say that we have tomorrow. Some of you may have heard this story before, but I wanted to share it because it's very applicative, applicable to the situation that I'm talking about or the text that I'm talking about. When I was... Um, in Pennsylvania in 2012, I was going to the academy for my current job. And while I was there on Mother's Day, I got a phone call from my wife. My sister-in-law, Janet, had been killed in an ATV accident. She was riding an ATV with her daughter on the back, and she went up a hill, and it rolled over the top of both of them. And it crushed her. I practiced this so that wouldn't happen. After speaking with my wife, I just sat there, and I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and my thoughts kept gravitating 
as I prayed to the fact that Janet woke up that morning, made breakfast for her two girls, sat down with my brother because they were camping. What are we going to do today that's going to be fun? And she had no idea. At one o'clock in the afternoon, she had a divine appointment with the Lord. That blows me away. You know, sometimes we can see death coming, can't we? Terminal illness, like cancer, which I'm really getting tired of that word. Old age, right? We expect when people die. But when the death is accidental, or it comes out of nowhere, or it's untimed or out of sequence, it really adds sorrow upon sorrow. And it really makes us stop and think, Lord, am I really living every day for you? If you was to call me home today, would I hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Am I focused on you today, Lord? Or am I focused on the... And it's easy to get focused on the things of the world. It's easy to get focused on projects that we have or situations that we're facing or the suffering that we face. And God knows that. And that's why he continuously provides encouragements in his word as to how we are to process that. At any moment, we can be in the presence of Christ. And so we are to live every day as if it was our last. And I guarantee if you will receive, and I God forbid this, a death sentence from a medical professional before your time, you would change the way you live. Things that used to be important will not be important anymore. Priorities will shift to what's truly important. You know what? That's what Peter is saying right here. Live that way every day. Stay focused. Stay the course. Don't let suffering derail you from what God has called you to do. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know what day the Lord is coming. Oh, we pray that he's coming soon. Mm. But until that time, we have work to do. We have people to reach, family members to reach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next, Peter encourages us to stay the course by being self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. Now, within many versions of your Bible, in fact, you might be right there right now in your version that they might have combined self-control and sober-mindedness, either to self-control or sober-mindedness, but in the ESV, they separate them out. So I wanted to find each one of them. When it comes to self-control, it means to curb one's passions that generate from your desires. Peter's very much still working from verse 3. Remember last week we talked about verse 3? And if you got your Bibles open, you'll see there all those sins of the Gentiles. He knew that his readers came from that environment, came from that culture. That culture was very much around them. It was celebrated. Some of those sexual sins that are listed there in chapter 3 were part of worship for some of the false gods. And so Peter knew the culture, knew that the people reading the letter, sitting in the church, were called out of that environment, and therefore there was still a draw for that. And he's saying that you need to be self-controlled. You need to keep your desires under control. 
because they can captivate you very easily. You only have to open up that door a crack, and they come barging in and take up residence again. Every day we battle against the tug of sin and the desires of the flesh, and they can derail us from our focus on the Lord very easily. When we give in to the desires of the flesh or give in to the excess of self, ourselves are being glorified, not the Lord. We are. And it's just not about sex. Whenever we talk about desires and the things of, na- uh, uh, of the flesh, it's not always sex. It could be desires of the flesh such as self-indulgences. could be about drugs. could be about alcohol. could be about food. could be about a host of things that your flesh cries out for to be priority in your life. It can manifest itself in selfish desires, compulsive behaviors, or interests that take you away from God. I think we've all had our devotions, our prayer life, or our service to the Lord disrupted by the desires of the flesh. I think if I asked that question, I think everybody's hand would go up. Why? Because we have a sinful nature. Self wants what self wants. Whether it's sexual or other interests. How many times have you shelved your prayer time, shelved your devotional time for entertainment, for hobbies, for projects, or other interests that you feel are necessary to get done right now? Show you how easy it is. I was preparing for this sermon, and, and it was Wednesday night, and I'm sitting down there reading, and one of my favorite shows is uh, The Curse of Oak Island. I don't know if you, anybody of those seen that, right? Season nine, they still haven't found the treasure, but we're remaining hopeful, <laughs> right? Well, I did not know that the week before was the final season, right? So I came upstairs, and I said, is, is Oak Island on? Because when I was downstairs preparing for a sermon, I was like, ooh, Curse of Oak Island is going to be coming on. Oh, uh, I went upstairs and daughter says, no, that last week was the final. Oh, okay. And I went back downstairs. Okay, Lord, where were we at? <laughs> really? That easy? That's how easy that can happen. Where our interests derail us from what we are called to do. Yeah, that was, uh, Lord, I come before you, a sinner, placing things before you, please. Give me the strength never to submit to that again. And it was a TV show. Something I could have, I almost said taped, DVR'd or whatever. (laughs) But self is a very powerful, very powerful force in you. And it can derail the very things that God is calling you to do. Additionally, we are to be sober-minded. Being sober-minded means being serious-minded about everything. Now, that doesn't mean stoic, right? Remember the first Jesus movie, 1970-whatever? You know, Jesus never cracked a smile. That's not, be, that's not what they're saying, but it's not to be without humor either. But rightly applying our mind to worthwhile pursuits. Where do you spend your time in your mind? To be sober-minded is to take life seriously. Understanding our role and purpose in this world and to be guided by right priorities as determined by God's Word. A person with a sober mind measures all things 
in light of their divine call and eternity. Have you aligned your life with your divine call? You all have one. Oh, no, you may not be called to be a pastor or a missionary, but you're called to grow in the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ to full maturity. And while you are doing that, you are to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are lost. Are you aligned there? I pray we are. It also means that our mind is kept clear from the things that can adversely influence them. It's just like being sober. Just a few beers can adversely influence your reaction. That's why it's 0.08%. That's not very high because they've deemed after that it influences your ability and your motor skills that could cause death, injury, because you're driving a motor vehicle. We are to keep our influences in check, never to be overly influenced by any of them. Therefore, we've got to be careful about what we read. We've got to be careful about what we watch on television. 